This is a Saddleback Church podcast. I want to begin today. My message is for those of us who at some point in our life or currently feel like there's a limitation that holds us back. In particular, a limitation that prevents us from stepping into the fullness of the life that God's created us to live. A limitation or a perceived disadvantage that prevents you from living out God's purposes for your lives. Now, what I wanna do is I wanna run through a list of limitations that we oftentimes have in our minds that are the very reason why our life can't be used by God. God could use somebody else with their personality. God could use somebody else with their background, but God can't use me. And I want you to hear some of these, and then at the end I'm gonna ask you to write one of them down in your notes. Sometimes in our minds, we think the personality that we have is a limitation. Now some of us are extroverted, some are introverted. I'm extroverted, I married an introvert, and it's interesting how often we will wish we were like the other one. Like sometimes I wish I could spend more time by myself and not have the fear of missing out on everything. And sometimes Stacy wishes she was more extroverted. Maybe you've had that happen to you. Like if I had a different personality, uh, I could be more used by God. Sometimes it's our background. I remember growing up so often I would look at other kids and they had this perfect family and my parents divorced when I was young and I would think, well, God can't use somebody like me with my background. Sometimes it's our past. Perhaps there are some things that whenever you feel an internal stirring to step up to make a difference or an internal stirring to move forward in your faith, there's something that you've done. There's some regret or shame that you carry that says, ah, you can't do that thing that God's asking you to do. Sometimes it's our age that oftentimes plays into it. And isn't it interesting, you know, Saddleback, one of the things that we love about our Saddleback family is we have all ages. I mean, we have brand new babies, hundreds of kids that came for our celebration with Summer Blast at Lake Forest this week, and we have people in their 80s and 90s who are apart, multiple generations. And isn't it interesting, when you're young, you think, well, God can't use somebody with my lack of experience. God can't use somebody with my age. I don't have enough wisdom and knowledge to do what God wants me to do. And then when you get older, you think, well, God can't use me now because I'm too old. I don't have the energy. I don't have, I don't have what I used to have. I don't have what it takes anymore for God to use me. And sometimes that becomes the very limitation in our mind that prevents us from doing the thing that God asks us to do. Sometimes it's our circumstances. Maybe it's a season of life thing related to your circumstances. Maybe you've got small kids right now, or maybe you've got teenagers and you spend a lot of time in the car. Maybe you're at a place with your job that's very busy and you think to yourself, well, my circumstances are a limitation. Sometimes it's our gender. Sometimes guys think, well, women are more spiritual. Sometimes women think, well, God can use men because they get doors open for them. And sometimes we think our gender is the reason that God can't use us. Sometimes it's our ethnicity. And we think, well, if I had come from a different background, maybe I would be used by God more. This was true in the first generation of the church with Jews and Gentiles, that sometimes people would get confused and God proved that Jews and Gentiles can be used by him. Sometimes it's our brokenness. And it's not just the past brokenness, it's the current brokenness. It's that thing that you wanna get over, but you're like, man, I thought after following Jesus or after having faith for all this time, I wouldn't struggle with this anymore, and it's your brokenness. I wonder, what is that limitation in your mind 
that prevents you from being used by God? That every time you get an internal stirring or a pull from God to take a step forward, you think of that limitation. And what I want to say to you, this might be the most encouraging message I ever get to deliver to you. What I want to say to you today is your greatest limitation can become your biggest advantage in life. And this is so important. The thing in your mind that is limiting you from being used by God as an invitation from God for the impossible to happen both in and through your life. This is so important. I hope that you didn't miss what I just said. Your limitation, my limitation, is an invitation from God to be used by God to see the impossible happen both in and through our life. I remember when I was in middle school, seventh grade, anybody wish they could go back to middle school? No hands went up there. Now, middle schoolers, junior high, we love you. It's a really tough time in life. And I remember there was one moment we went to the library and we were picking out books. I decided for some reason I wanted to study UFOs. I'm not interested in aliens anymore, but back then I was. And so I got a UFO book and there was this one kid that walked up to me. Now, at the time, I had really bad acne and truth be told, I still struggle with adult acne. I'm like, when in the world is acne gonna go away? After I die, maybe. But I had this really bad acne problem. And so I got my UFO book, and this one kid goes, walks up to me and says, bro, you are crusty. You know what? We're gonna call you UFC. I know you got a UFO book, but we're gonna call you UFC, Unidentified Flying Crust. In fact, Actually, we'll shorten that. We'll just call it Krusty. Your new name is Krusty. And then there was another kid who said, actually, we should add to that. I like Krusty, but we need another C, Chunky. Let's call him Chunky. So they called me Chunky and Krusty. And I remember they would sit in the Frost Middle School cafeteria, and they would pound on their table, and they would go, Krusty, Krusty, Chunky, Chunky, Chunky. And you're like, aw. That's okay. You don't have to feel sorry for me. Um, God, God actually, in that moment, I remember there would be so many times where I would say, God, help me get out of this situation. And in my mind, that was a limitation. There were so many reasons why God could not use my life. There were so many things about me. There were so many other people that were better. There were so many other people that were smarter. And I'm here to tell you from my own journey, the thing that in your mind limits you is an invitation from God to do the unthinkable through your life. Today we're gonna look at Mark chapter six, a story with Jesus, and I hope today I can deliver this word to you with as much power that the Holy Spirit gave to me in my heart. Just a few weeks ago, I was processing this whole journey of coming to Saddleback and reflecting on key lessons that I've learned over the last year, and this passage stuck out to me is one of the dominant themes that God is trying to teach me in the role that he's called me to. Now, a couple weeks ago I was sitting in a meeting, actually a couple days ago I was sitting in a meeting with a staff member and he looks at me and he says, uh, Andy, it looks like you got more gray hair over the last year since you've come to Saddleback. And I don't know if it looks like that to you or not, you can judge for yourself, but this, this year has stretched me and this passage is a great encouragement from God to me at a heart level, and I hope that you can see what God showed me in this passage. Mark chapter six, beginning in verse 30. Now, it's important to understand when we study 
the gospel messages, or the gospel, the books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels, um, Jesus is revealing to his disciples that he was and is God. So they were in this process of revelation. And when they began, he was a teacher, and they watched him perform miracles. They journeyed with Jesus over a period of three years. They were starting to become aware of the reality that he was and is the Messiah, but there was a moment at the end when Jesus was crucified and resurrected that it all became clear. But there are glimpses along the way, and this passage is one of those glimpses in Mark chapter six where Jesus reveals himself to his apostles or his disciples who he is. And it says in verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Now, I want us to see that Jesus has sent these apostles or disciples out, and they've been performing miracles on Jesus' behalf. They're teaching, and they come back, and they're exhausted physically. And maybe you've had these moments where you're physically exhausted, you're tired. And it says, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Do you ever feel like that? Like you got not enough time to get the things that you want to get done in your limitation? Like you've got so many, you've got so many things, objectives with work, you've got responsibilities with your family. There are moments where you feel like you don't even have enough time to go to the bathroom. Anybody else? Parents of teenagers, you're spending lots of time in cars. I remember one time there was one moment where I'm driving one kid to one place and another kid to another place and I gotta go to the bathroom and they're like, Dad, you can't go to the bathroom, I'm gonna be late. And I'm like, I've already been in a car for three hours. I just need to use the restroom. Maybe you felt like that before. Now our humanity with responsibility limitation is exposed. There's exhaustion physically. There's exhaustion emotionally. The disciples don't have enough time to eat. They don't have time to use the restroom. They are invited by Jesus now in their limitation to spend time with him to come away to a quiet, solitary space. So there's an expectation in this moment that they're gonna get to be with their teacher, with Jesus. They're gonna spend some time with him. And he says, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So they're traveling with Jesus across the Lake of Galilee. They're moving across and it says they're moving, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns to get there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd. So think about this for just a moment. This is like at the end of the day, parents, where you've gone through that whole nightly routine and you've prayed for your kids and they've gone to the bathroom 14 times and they've gotten seven sips of water and they've come back in your room three or four times and you've put them down and you've prayed for a second time for the monster under the bed, against the monster under the bed, and then you're like about to go to sleep or do something else and you're like there and there is a knock on the door and you're like, can I? just get some peace and quiet. And you ever had that happen? You're like, I just, I just want the day to be over. And here Jesus is with the disciples and the disciples are like, can we just get some time with Jesus? Can we just get some peace and quiet? And the crowds are pressing in. They wanna be with Jesus. They've seen his miracles. They, they know his power. So they wanna be near to Jesus and imagine the expectation that's met with disappointment in this moment. Jesus, if you could just push the crowds away 
so that we can have some time with you, if you could just push the crowds away so that we can have a meal together, if you could just push them away for just a moment so that we can slow down, so that we can have our needs met, Jesus, that would be awesome. But Jesus looks at the crowds, and what Jesus sees when he looks at the crowd is different than what the disciples see when they look at the crowd. And so much of our growth spiritually is learning to see what God sees when God looks at a situation. That so often in our perspective, our situational awareness or our vision or understanding of a circumstance is limited to our humanity. Now Jesus is fully human and fully God, but Jesus in his divinity and the power of the Holy Spirit is seeing this situation differently than how his disciples see it. So Jesus looks at the crowd and notice when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. So Jesus, he probably has exhausted himself, but because he spent 40 days in the wilderness and he knows that man does not live on bread alone, but by the power and the word of God, he draws from a resource that the disciples cannot draw from at this point. And the disparity between Jesus and the disciples is increasing. This is God, these are humans with all of their brokenness, and Jesus can keep on going when they're ready to shut down. And here are the disciples, they're like, Jesus, Jesus, the crowd, like, let them go. Here you are again with these crowds, these thousands of people. Let them go home, let them go get some in and out, let them go. Like, we, we're hungry, we want you, we wanna be with you. And Jesus just keeps going and teaching and he's ministering to them. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already very late. Now, I kind of think about this conversation that the disciples were having with each other, like, who's gonna go to Jesus? We've got a strategy in mind. We're gonna tell him everybody's hungry. He loves the crowd. If he thinks about the fact that they're hungry, maybe he'll send them away so they'll go get something to eat and then we can hang out with Jesus. So Jesus, it's, it's late in the day. These guys need to eat. Send them away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves some hummus and falafels and enjoy some good Israeli food. Anybody else like Mediterranean food, by the way? I'm like confident in heaven, it's gonna be all Mediterranean food. And like let them go get some falafels, let, let them go get some good, some good food. And Jesus is there looking at these disciples and I could imagine in his mind what is going on as he's looking at these crowds and he has compassion for them and all the disciples can think about is their own physical limitation their own physical need to rest and slow down. And in order to step into a greater level of influence in God's kingdom, in order to live beyond my limitation, there's something that has to shift in me. And the thing that has to shift is there has to be an elevated situational awareness. There has to be elevated perspective on what's happening around me. Again, if you'll remember, maybe you've read in the Gospels, Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and he's physically hungry and the enemy comes to him and tempts him with bread to say, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus looks back at the enemy and he says, man does not live on bread alone but by every word that proceeds 
from the mouth of God. Now notice that Jesus does not say man does not live by bread. He says man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So there is a way that you and I function in our humanity, in our limitation. You need sleep. You need food. You need water. I remember this one preacher one time, he was preaching and he goes, you don't need sleep, you need God. And I was like, well, I, I'm pretty sure God made me to need sleep. So I think I actually need both. And I think studies show if I don't get sleep, I die. So I'm pretty sure I need sleep and God. And actually, when I get more sleep, I do, you know, I, I do, do better with God. So um, I think I need both. My point that I'm making is there's a way to function in the natural, and there are just physical needs that need to be met as humans. It's very natural to ask the question, what are my needs? I mean, that's, that's human. We, we, we all need to ask what we need. You know, if you don't feed yourself, if, if you don't sleep, that, I mean, that's, that's natural. And that's what the disciples are asking, but sometimes in the natural, we can miss the supernatural that God is doing around us. So God is wanting to move the disciples into a space where they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, where they're living beyond their limitation, and them living beyond their limitation requires a different way of thinking to go from what our mind needs to ask the question, what is God up to? So what is God doing around me? One of the images that Pastor Rick would often use is that there are waves that God will send our way. And there are certain people that have their eye on the wave to see when God is at work. God is at work in your marriage. God is at work in your relationship with your kids. God is at work at your place of work. God is at work in your school. God is at work inside of you. And an elevated situational awareness says, what is God doing around me right now in this moment? God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. I know I need to eat. I know I need water. I get dehydrated if I don't have it. But I need more than bread alone. I need every word that proceeds from the mouth of God to hit my heart so that I can see what God is doing around me so that I can live beyond my power, live beyond my wisdom, live beyond my level of experience. Again, this question has come up for me over and over again as I've stepped into this new role. I don't have the wisdom I need. I don't have the experience I need. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, God loves Saddleback Church. And God is moving in this church. And if God will give me and give you eyes to see where he's at work, the impossible will happen through our lives. So we need an elevated situational awareness. So where is God at work around you that he's inviting you into a space where your natural tendency or my natural tendency would be to push away the miracle that God wants to do in our midst? The disciples are about to push away one of the greatest miracles of the New Testament because they're hungry. Sometimes we are about to push away the miraculous because we're unwilling to live in the uncomfortability of our limitation. So the question is, where is God at work around you and in you? Now Jesus doesn't stop here, or the story doesn't stop here. And this is the verse that really struck me, verse 37. So imagine, the disciples come, they wanna send the crowds away, and Jesus looks back at them and he says, you give them something to eat. 
Now imagine for just a moment what that must have felt like. So here are thousands of people, and we're gonna see in just a moment, there are only a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and Jesus looks back at them and says, you feed them. And the disciples are like, you feed them. We can't feed them, you feed them. There's not enough. I mean, a year and a half's worth of wages would not be enough to feed all of these people. And there have been so many moments over the last year where I feel like God has said to me, you feed them. And I've been like, I can't feed them. Have you seen how many of them there are? There's not enough of me to go around for all of them. I don't have what I need to feed them. I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the experience, I don't have enough con, I don't have all that is needed to feed them. But in my limitation, in the thing that I don't have, God is never exposing my limitation so that I think I can solve the problem in my own capacity. God is exposing your limitation for invitation into a power that is beyond yourself because before I see God's miracles, I will ultimately face impossible circumstances. I will have to face the impossible to see the kind of miracles that God wants to do in and through my life. My life. So God will expose what I cannot do so that I can see my limitation is a deeply spiritual thing before God. It's beautiful to look at the big body of Christ, the church, the local church, because in the church there are all these diversity of gifts and backgrounds and brokenness that has been healed by Jesus and all these things that have happened to bring the church together and none of us can do it on our own. None of us have the gifts or the personality or the background to do the mission of God on our own. We need each other. So that's why in our journey we call Discover Your Purpose. There are four steps. And the first step we talk about in these classes, the first week we talk about belonging to a church family. The second one, we talk about growing spiritually. The third one, we talk about serving and how God has given you a spiritual gift. He's given you a wiring, a personality, a shape that he wants to use for his kingdom. And there are people that are good at things that we're not good at. So there are some folks that stand and they wave people as they come onto our campuses and welcome them. There are people that hold babies in a nursery There are those that this week served with our kids at Summer Blast and can handle 110 decibels in a room with kids screaming and care for them and invest in them. And there are those that go on student camps and there are those that pray in closets and intercede. And there are those that host small groups in their home and we are together, we are better. That limitation is an invitation to interdependency upon one another. So the bride of Christ is this beautiful thing. You look around the room and you see different generations and different ethnicities and men and women together creating this family of God that the mission of God can only be accomplished with all of us. It's not one of us. It's not something I can do on my own. I I can't do it on my own. And what God will do is he will say, you do it. And you'll be like, I can't do it. And then he'll look back at you and he'll say what he said to the disciples. Well, what do you have? How many fish and loaves do you have? How many loaves, what's in your hand, Jesus says? What is it that you have right now? Go and see. So they go out and they find 
five loaves of bread and two fish. So they got five loaves of bread and two fish. And the question is, how long can all of this go? How long or far can all of this go among so many people? And what Jesus is doing is he is increasing their self-awareness. He's increasing their ability to see what is in their hand. So you have in your hand something that God can multiply. You have in your hand a life that God can use, that when the Spirit of God is upon you, God is illuminating that limitation, that limitation for your benefit so that you can live beyond yourself. God always illuminates your limitation for your benefit, for interdependency upon one another and for ultimate dependency upon God. And what is that limitation that maybe, just maybe you've been pushing away? You've been saying, you know, I'm not enough here, I'm not enough there, I don't have enough of this, and God is saying, what do you have? See, so often, listen to me, this is so important. So often, it's hard to embrace the reality of what we're not. So hard, it's hard to think, well, what if I don't have that gift? What if I'm not good at that? What if I can't do that thing? And the insecurity that is deep within our soul will prevent us from stepping into the fullness of what God wants to do through us and the way that God has wired us. So what I hope you hear so loud and clear from God, I have had this conversation with a half a dozen people personally in the last several weeks. It is so important. God made you the way God wanted you to be. God gave you the personality you needed. God put all the spiritual gifts inside of you that you would need to fulfill the mission that God wants to do through your life. So stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to fulfill somebody else's mission in life and say, God, what is it that you've placed in my hand that you want to place back in your hand? And if I cannot embrace my limitation and understand an increased level of self-awareness, I'll never use the gifts and never step into the fullness of the calling that God has for me. Oh, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying today. This is so important because, because there are so many moments where... I think I can do something that I can't. I think I have a gift I don't. I try, to, I try to have that gift, but I don't. And if I think I can, I'll try. And maybe even I'll die trying. Like, I'll try so hard to be something I'm not, but if I know I can't, I have to trust. To trust God, and I have to trust others. To trust God, and I have to trust his church and the people that are around me with the gifts that I don't have. A couple of weeks ago, Stacy and the kids were out of town, and um, I, I think I'm still pretty strong and can do things, but there are just things I shouldn't do when nobody's around. So I'm, I'm like up in the garage putting some things away, and I really don't check my ladder before I go up, and I'm standing on this ladder about eight feet in the air, and it gets a little bit wobbly, and I'm like certain I can push the stuff a little bit back further on the shelf, and I'm like, you know, six feet off the ground, and, you know, this, it could have gone really bad. I live to tell the story, thank God. But in the moment, in the moment, there's this internal voice. It's, it's the same internal voice that went through my head. I was moving some big boxes this week, and I got my finger cut, caught between two boxes, and it could have been the end of this little ring finger right here at the end. That's not the middle, if you're wondering. It's that finger. And... 
And right before, there's this voice of reason that goes through my mind. You, you, you shouldn't be doing this. But if I think I can, I will try. But if I know I can't, I have to trust. So the whole message of the gospel is a deeper level of trust. To put my life in the hands of the one who knows me, who created me, who died for me, who conquered the grave for me, who put his spirit inside of me, and to trust him with my life. And Jesus says, put it back in my hands. And when they do, he directs them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And when they do, he took the loaves, verse 41, and two fish, looked up to heaven, he gave thanks to God, and he broke the loaves. He also divided the two fish among them, and they all ate and were satisfied. And notice in the breaking, Jesus is thankful before the miracle. He thanks God in advance, and there's a power, even in this truth, to know there are miracles in front of you in your marriage. There are miracles in front of you in your parenting. There are miracles in front of you with that vision and dream. And to, in advance, believe God that the thing you place into his hand, he can perform a miracle. He can heal 25, 30 years of brokenness in a marriage. He can save any wayward son or daughter. He's a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can ask or imagine. And in this moment, there's a breaking. And sometimes there's a breaking in the multiplication. There's a breaking in the miracle that's painful. But Jesus is multiplying what he has been given from the disciples. And it says there were, there were 12 basketfuls left over. So there was more than enough. There are leftovers with God. God takes a limitation and when it's placed into his hands, there's leftover after the limitation. But it requires this third and final truth, this third and final step is it requires complete trust in Jesus. Complete trust, all of me in his hands. Everything I can, everything I have back to him. My future, my hope, my dreams, all the money he's given to me, all my regret, all my shame, all my pain, all my gifts, all my lack of gifts, all of it into the hands of the one who came to die on a cross for my sins, the one who came, who's conquered the grave and is alive today. He is worthy of not partial trust. He is worthy of complete and utter trust, your whole life in the hands of Jesus. That's why baptism is so important. Because when you go into the water of baptism, you're saying, I am, I'm sinking my whole life into this Jesus. I'm giving him everything I have. And when I come up, it's symbolizing that new life that I have in him. Some of you, that step to go public with your faith in Jesus through baptism is a step you can take today after our services. It's so important to put what is in my hands in the hands of Jesus. And I wanna ask you, what are the loaves of bread and the fish that Jesus is saying, trust me with them. What's the thing that God is saying, put back into my hands today? What's your limitation that in your mind has prevented you from stepping into the fullness of what God wants to do through you, that he is inviting you to put it in his hands today? There's a corporate church-wide application to this and there's a personal application. And I wanna start with the church one, and then I'll come personally to you. As a church, we are in a season where God is inviting us to elevated levels of trust in him. 
Many of you know we are launching in just a few short weeks three brand new locations of Saddleback Church. We're launching one in Whittier here in Southern California, one in Manchester, UK, and we're launching one uh, in Vancouver, Canada. And we're so excited about the launch of these three brand new locations. Yet it's so important for us to understand why do we start these new locations? Why do we go from one location at Lake Forest to many locations? When God gave Pastor Rick the original vision for Saddleback, it was a dream to reach people who didn't know the love of Jesus. And the Lake Forest location was the first location. And it grew, and there were at one point six services, and people gathering together in tents, and parking like a mile from the auditorium, and walking both ways uphill in dirt. It was, it was like this radical commitment to reach a community that grew beyond the Lake Forest campus that at one point God put in the leaders of our church's heart to say, what if we were more than one location? So we started locations all over Southern California and then that vision grew and there was a moment where God said in our hearts, what if we took a step to be the kind of church that went global. And we launched four global campuses with a dream of starting more. And God has given to our church a vision that one day there would be 50 campuses here in the United States of America and 15 international campuses. But there are these 18 campuses right now that are so significant to what God is doing. I want you to see in this map all of our locations that are spread all across Southern California and the world. God is doing a great thing, but this is just the beginning. And what if, when you look at this map, what if these are the five loaves of bread and the two fish? What if this is the small thing that God is wanting to multiply to change the whole world? What if God is wanting to bring about a global revival of the message of Jesus and he wants to use Saddleback Church from all of these locations to change the entire world? And this moment is such an important moment for our church that it's not like, well, somebody else is gonna do it, somebody else is gonna go, somebody else is gonna serve. This is a moment that is an all hands on deck moment for our church, that there is something that everybody can do, that one day in all of these communities, there will be thriving churches and campuses that are growing, and there will be more locations, not so that the name of Saddleback can be great, not so that we can be known, but so that the name of Jesus is known all over the world, so that God's great commission can come to fruition, that every nation, tribe, and tongue knows the name of Jesus and is changed by this good news. It's gonna take all of us, and we've done it before, but now is the time to do it again, and some of us, maybe we're like on the stands and watching it all happen, but don't you want to be a part of God's miracle? Like, would you rather watch a miracle or be a part of a miracle? Would you rather watch Jesus multiply somebody else's loaves and fish or know that he took your life and multiplied it? So I wanna challenge you right now to take a step. And I wanna invite you to pull out your phone. Go ahead and pull it out. I'm gonna pull mine out right now. And nobody surfing the internet, nobody going to social media, nobody shopping online or ordering your lunch. Just pull out your phone. Please go ahead and get it right now. Everybody pull out your phone. And I wanna invite you to scan this QR code that's gonna come on the screen. It's gonna take you right to our digital program. Go ahead and go straight to that digital program. And what you're gonna see right now as you point your phone there, you're gonna see a button that says Campus Expansion. I want you to go ahead and click on that Campus Expansion button right there. And when it comes up, you're gonna see on your phone, 
you're gonna see three ways that all of us can engage in the launch of these three new locations. Now, I'm gonna break it down. There are some of you God is going to call to go on mission to one of these three locations. Let's keep it up for just a moment. There are some of you that God is gonna call you to go on mission to one of these locations. Some will be short-term on a mission peace trip. Some of it will be short-term. Some of you, God will call you to move to those communities to help launch these new campuses. And God's stirring in some of your hearts, some of you that are listening online. You've been already thinking about moving to a community. That's the Holy Spirit stirring in you to be a part of launching one of our brand new locations. You can just click on that and our team will follow up with you. If you are one of the some that God is saying, I want you to move, respond to that. Now let's, let me say this. Some of you are like, well, are they gonna come hunt me down? They're gonna find a moving truck and get me shipped out. No, this is, this is a journey. So even if there's a stirring, just click on that to say, you know what, I wanna respond to that stirring, either short-term, long-term, to go to one of these three campuses, peace trip, or even move to one of these locations. Now the second one is, this is a really important invitation. Some of you, you're going to church in a community where you don't live, and there are two, maybe even three locations that are closer to you. And what I wanna say is this is a moment to get re-engaged in the local campus that is closest to you. There are so many wonderful locations of Saddleback all over Southern California, and there are four international. I'm sure international, this is not true, but here in Southern California, there are some that are not engaged in their local campus. Perhaps you're going to your local campus, but you're not engaged in serving. I wanna encourage you, click that second button right there that says I wanna engage in, in serving and being a part of my local campus. Hold this, the image back up for just a moment. I know I'm being very specific, but I don't wanna miss this next step because it's so important for us as a church. You'll see here, if you click on this, I'm open to engaging in the campus closest to me. All the campuses will show up. And I want you just to look at that list. There might be one that is closer to you that you'll see you can just click on and our team will follow up with you. Now there's one last step as you leave it up. All of us, every one of us can pray. And if you'll click that button, our team will send you a prayer guide to help you pray, to help you pray specifically for these three new campuses as they're launching. I wanna see thousands of us say yes to pray for our church. There is no reason why you can't click that third button right there to say, I'm in, I will pray. And could you imagine 10,000 people going before God, asking God to move in Whittier, asking God, knocking on the door of heaven for Vancouver, saying, God, we're begging for you to change Manchester. From your knees in Lake Forest, you can ask God to move all over the world. And there is no reason why there shouldn't be thousands of people that say yes to pray right now in this moment. And God wants to take our fish, our loaves, and multiply them and do immeasurably more than we could think, ask, or imagine. Amen? All right, I got one last step. I wanna invite you to stand with me for just a moment and we're gonna sing a song together. And you can take those steps all throughout the week at the digital program, but right now I wanna draw it to a close and I want you to imagine for just a moment, what is that thing that you need God to make a way with today? What's that thing that you say, I need you to be the way maker in my life right now? The odds are stacked against you. You're concerned, you're worried. And right now, I wanna invite you to say, God, I'm putting it back 
in your hands. I need you to make a way. Some of you, you can put this on your next step card. There's a little space where you can write this. But right now in this moment, I want your heart to connect with God as an attitude of surrender to him to say, I need you to make a way. If you're comfortable, will you put your hands like this just as an attitude and a heart of surrender? You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to open your hands and recognize these hands are limited, but what's in my hands can be placed into the hands of Jesus, and he can do immeasurably more than I could think, ask, or imagine. Your limitation is an invitation to surrender to God, to say, only God, only God. So God, in this moment, we humble ourselves before you, almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. We bow before you and declare you are the king of all kings. Jesus, you are the risen Lord. There is no name above your name. You are the way maker. You've defeated sin and death. You are glorious in all your ways. You will never fail us. So I cry out right now and I intercede on behalf of your church and I ask you to make a way in marriages. I ask you to make a way with wayward sons and daughters. I ask you to make a way with careers and jobs. I ask you to make a way with school, with worry, with doubt, with regret, with shame. God, we lift high your name and we declare that you will make a way. You will make a way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more Weekend Message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.